0: Uh, greatly, it is a pleasure and a, an honor and a privilege to stand in front of you all today, and I say that uh, with uh, and, uh, so genuinely. Uh, it's been four years uh, ago that I met Pastor Aaron in Haiti in a church with uh, uh, on a trip with uh, Pastor Jason Shepherd from uh, Church Project Woodlands, and uh, that like that, uh, the ministry partnership was born. Uh, I told I kind of told April this morning it was kind of like an arranged marriage, you know. In a way, it was like you know, hey, uh, you know, we got these partner over here. We got the, you know, we're we're here in Haiti, you know, but we never really connected face to face, you know. So I had all these preconceived ideas about hippies from Colorado (laughs) and with bare feet and uh, tie-dyed, grateful dead t-shirts and things like that. So I must say that you're a little prettier than I expected. So. anyway it's a, it's an it's a honor to be here this morning. Uh, my name's Rick Hutchinson I'm the uh, director of New Life Mission International. Uh, just to tell you a little bit about our our, our organization and who you all partner with. Uh, it was an organization that was started by my, my my family actually my father in 2001 uh, so we've been uh, been op, uh, been doing work in Haiti for 15 years. Uh, my father's a pastor and his original intent for the ministry was to educate pastors. Uh, in those first 10 years, we uh, educated over 2,000 pastors, and, uh, which is just an incredible uh, amount there in North Haiti, uh, and we've, done, we've planted hundreds and hundreds of seeds. Uh, six of those pastors in particular, uh, we, we chose to partner with. We saw something special in them, and we saw something special in the villages uh, where they were working and where they planted their churches, so uh, that, uh, that mission kind of moved into what we call Village Transformations. Uh, and uh, where churches in the United States partner with villages and churches in Haiti, uh, mostly in remote locations like Bourgeois. Uh So Boujuin is actually our sixth uh, village makeover that or village transformation. So we should call it village makeover, but it was such a superficial sort of name. We used uh, it was uh, during that time when they were, had the the, the, move, the show Extreme Home Makeover. Maybe you all understand that. But uh, we, we, we decided after a couple of years or, or after a couple of months, really, that it was more than just a makeover. It was really a transformation that we were seeing in these villages. Um, but, uh, you know, I just want to talk about uh, Bouguin for a second, about the work that's going on there in this particular village that that April was showing there. Um, it's uh, Historically, it's a very dark place. Um, you know, Haiti in general is a very dark place. Uh, if you all don't know much about the history of Haiti, it's originally a, slave, a French slave state um, up until about 200 years ago uh, when there was a, a voodoo ceremony on a mountain that was close to actually our location in North Haiti. And during that voodoo ceremony, the, the Haitians signed a contract with Satan that gave him their country for 200 years in return for their freedom from the French. Um, so that's, uh, it's, a, it's a country that's uh, been very dark uh, in, in many senses uh, and voodoo is, is still there today it's still rampant uh, even in Bujwin there's two voodoo temples uh, very close in proximity to this church location. Um, if you look up on national uh, I'm sorry on YouTube there's a national Geographic special that talks about uh, actually plen de Nord, the region where this this church is and it it, it talks about a, this voodoo ceremony they have there uh, every year at this mud basin, it's called Basin Saint Jacques, um, and I, I encourage you actually not to look at it. You know, I looked at it for a couple minutes, but it was just so disturbing to me that I couldn't, I couldn't continue watching. Uh, but we see um, families routinely dedicating their firstborn sons to Satan. Uh, people, um, you know, dedicating years of their life to evil in return for just a little bit of hope that they would. Uh, they would live a little bit better, a little bit more comfortable, that their children would eat so that's you know that 's the disparity of the situation that we 're in in a lot of senses in haiti that 's what' we 're seeing is still that voodoo um, unfortunately. Um, this past year, actually, the tourism department launched a campaign that promotes voodoo as a tourist draw into Haiti. So they're actually going, you know, looking for a, the, a little bit of that almighty dollar and willing to market voodoo as a as a means to get people into Haiti to see, you know, what they call real voodoo. Um, so you know, the, it's uh, it's been uh, it's been challenging, you know, in that respect, you know. Uh, We'd always said that Haiti is fifty percent Protestant, fifty percent Catholic, hundred percent voodoo, <laughs> because people do believe in it, uh you know whether they worship in that sense they uh, maybe they don't, but they all fear it um, so that's but you know that one of the things that we're doing is 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 spreading the gospel and we're showing them the true light you know we, we, what the true victory is that we have true victory in Christ Jesus, and those things don't have power over them um, Amen, amen. So, anyway, with all that, <laughs> with the voodoo talk, uh, no. But uh, Boujwin is is just an incredible community where we planted that church there. And church project uh, Greeley has just been 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 an incredible part of that. Um, even the even the vo- the people who practice voodoo in that village are happy that that church is there. They see the work, they see the fruits that's coming from that. They see a change in that in that village. You know, Pastor Edric is an extremely uh, faithful servant. We've known him for seven years. Uh, he went through our, uh, through our Bible school program, and he's actually one of my best friends, this pastor that, that you saw in that picture right there. And, I, you know, we love him. I love him dearly. Um, but uh, he's doing a great work there, um, What you see that if you walk into that church, you see that everybody is involved. Everybody's participating. Um, this was something that Pastor Aaron pointed out to me. He said, you know, if I sat through this service, he said, I wouldn't even know who the pastor was, you know. And 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 that's that's kind of counterculture in Haiti because you're, in Haiti you're supposed to wear a big suit and have a big diploma, and and stand on even in even in Haiti that you're supposed to supposed to do that and the the pastor is is elevated on a level and I don't know if that comes uh, from the Catholicism or or what but you know we have big pastors and we have little pastors so there's a hierarchy pastor that goes of pastors in Haiti. It's unfortunate, but Pastor, pastor Edrick would be considered by, by some little, a little pastor. <laughs> but I like that. You know, I really like that in him because he's able to disciple people and see things from a different perspective and not, not really look down his, his nose, <laughs> his uh, theological nose at people. Uh, so anyway, uh, you know, Booge uh, there's a revival going on in there. Uh, we did these weddings this, this past July. Uh, we had five couples that, that, that got married, and, and it's really going to strengthen that church up. Uh, we see in Haiti a lot of common law marriages where people just kind of cohabitate for a number of years, and then people just assume that, well, you know, these people are actually married. But the community knows. And uh, so whenever it comes to church leadership, those people are are kind of omitted uh, from, from being able to, to participate in church leadership under the cultural norms of Haiti. So uniting these people in matrimony uh, it provides, you know, this is, we see five couples that are committed to that church right now as leaders and as examples and if we can't get that first, that union right, you know, between ourselves, you know, it's it's hard to understand the union within, with, with us and God, if that makes sense to you. Okay. So anyway, before I, uh, I think I'm going to be able to talk a little bit. You know, I always, there was, I always tell you a joke. I always like to start with a good joke. I, I hope this is a good joke anyway. <laughs> but So uh, there were two little boys and uh, one was Catholic and one was Baptist and, um, they the, the, they agreed to go to each other's services. So the 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 the, uh, the Baptist boy went to the Catholic uh, mass, and all these there was all this symbolism, you know, the Hail Marys and and whatever. I, I haven't been to too many masses, but there's a lot of symbolism. And he was asking him, you know, what does this mean? What does that mean? And the Catholic boy would explain explain it to him. So the next the next week, they went to the Baptist church, and the first thing the pastor did was take his watch off, and he he put it put it on the put it on the pulpit just like that. And then the Catholic boy looks at the at the Baptist boy and he said, what does that mean? And the, and the Baptist boy says, absolutely nothing. Yeah. <laughs> does that make any sense? Uh, so I grew up in a Baptist church, so they, the Baptist preachers can go for, for hours on end. So that, this means absolutely nothing. Let me take my watch off and put it right there. Um, but no, uh, thank you all for, for having us here. You know, it's a pleasure. It's, it's just an extreme joy for me. Uh, the only the only thing I'm missing is the rest of my family. I saw you I know you all saw a picture of my wonderful wife there and she's uh she's incredible. We've got a great team in Haiti. Uh we've got I got six pastors that we, we connect with uh directly in into their village, like I was telling you, in the village transformations, but we also have a network of, of you know hundreds of people that we connect with on a daily basis. And all those people are uh, I'm happy to say are standing they were back in Haiti praying for me. As I go and visit these visit churches, and, uh, and it's just an incredible. I know you all are praying for us as well. And if I could tell you anything this morning, it is prayer works. And it's a very, very powerful tool that we have. And I think most of us don't pray enough. And I thank you, April, for pointing that out. You know, and I'm guilty of it too, of not praying. But if I can encourage you to do anything, it's just to seek God more through prayer uh, in your daily walk. Okay. And it's the way that we build a relationship with Christ, and he wants to have a relationship with us. Um, you know, in Voodoo, I talk about I talk about Voodoo. I talk about Haiti a lot because that's you know that's where I live and that's where I'm from and that's what's in me. But uh, they don't have a, a personal walk with with Jesus Christ. They don't have a personal walk with their, with God, their Savior, um, and uh, they use uh, often use median sort of sort of a median of some sort to communicate with God. But this is something that's distinct uh, to Christianity that we actually have that, that Christ made it possible for us to have a personal relationship uh, with the Lord or with, with God. Um, so, so it's, uh, it's incredible. And you should, you should, uh, seek that daily through prayer. So I'll, I'll encourage you to do that. Um, so anyway, um, church project, um, we, we follow the church project model in our churches. We're following it there, bourgeois. Um, we're, uh, we're seeing that this is a very effective model, which, what, what, what you all are doing here. And, uh, we're creating a global network i mean that's kind of our goal is to create a global network in haiti and and uh through in the in the United States through house churches and connecting through people uh raising up disciples raising up leaderships if you look in the in the uh you know, i 'll start off if you look in the uh, in the apostle in the um, in the Gospels, you'll see an instance when, when, uh, when the fishermen were fishing. And I'm going to tell you how important this network is. We see, them, uh, we see the fishermen are fishing. They're fishing off of their boat, and they're, they're, they're throwing their net to the side, and they come up empty time and time again. Well, Jesus is standing on the shore, and he tells them, what does he tell them to do? Does anybody know? Cast your nets on the other side, right? And so when, they, when, the, when the disciples did that, then what happened at that point in time? They had so many fish, so many fishes that what happened to the nets? They started to break, right? Well, the way I like to see the body of Christ, the way I like to see us all connected is this net. And I think about, I often think, think about this, this passage that we see, and this net that comes in. And that we are all pieces that we are all fibers in this net. That we all serve a distinct purpose, and that we're all uh to be knotted on psalm, or on psalm, gosh, I'm speaking Creole, together. <laughs> We're supposed to be knotted together, okay? And the strength of our nets and our ability to hold these fish, and I know you know what I'm talking about when I tell you about fish, directly depends on the strength of our relationships, these knots. You see, I can only hold so many fish by myself. You know, I can hold a fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish. Let's say, Chad, <laughs> Boys in blue, <laughs> no. But no, if, if, we, if we knot together, if I'm holding hands with Chad, and we're holding hands with Aaron, and we're holding hands together, then we can hold lots and lots of fish, right? And if our relationships are strong, if we hold together strong, then our knots will not break. Amen? Amen. And that's what we want to see throughout the United States. That's what we want to see in Haiti. And that's what—that's the global church, right? We are the nets. We are the knots. We are the church. You know, there's, there's been a, a movement in the United States, and I know you all know it, these mega churches that are building up, these bigger buildings. And, and what, what are they in the end? You know, what are these places in the end? They're places, a lot of times, where people come in and they stay worship on Sunday so they can hide in their churches. Let me go to a place where I feel comfortable to worship. Oh, it's almost Sunday. I can't wait to get in and do some good worship where I can lift my hands and where I can praise the Lord inside the walls of my church. But that's, 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 a, that's a common misconception. But you know that we are the church because I know that the Church Project understands that because you said under Pastor Aaron that we are the church. It doesn't matter about the building. It doesn't matter about anything, but that we are the church. Joe church, we're living in a dynamic time globally. You know, globally, uh, uh, you know I, The United States has changed in six years since I've been outside of the United States. I don't know if you all know this because you're, you're here, you're in it, you see it on a regular basis, but the United States has totally changed in the past six years. Unfortunately, you know the, the global the, the yeah you know, and the global climate has changed as well. Um, we're seeing a revival outside of the United States right now. You know the the United States is one of the most hardest, most difficult places to do ministry, and it's unfortunate. And it's unfortunate uh, that we're seeing that. But I, I think the key is to go out, is to look out, is to throw it on the other side, if that makes sense. You know. Is for us to go out and to be outside of this church and outside of these buildings, and 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 the church is only going to become more persecuted as, as as history reveals itself. As time goes on, we're going to be more and more persecuted, and that's biblical, right? If you're not if you're not being persecuted, then you're probably not doing something right, honestly and truthfully. Because Jesus was persecuted we should be, we should be persecuted. You shouldn't go out seeking persecution. There are some people that go out seeking persecution, right? <laughs> Not us, nobody in here seeks persecution. But if you are persecuted, like we are persecuted, I'm persecuted in Haiti. <laughs> really. You know, there's I, I woke up one day and there was a outside of my door there was a, a, a voodoo um, um flag laying on the ground outside of my house. And so we have we constantly are under some sort of spiritual attack, you know, by that. You know, and that, that doesn't really discourage me. It doesn't discourage me. It just tells me that we're doing something right, you know. So if you all feel persecuted in your life, you know, it, just you stand on God's word, you know, the, and, and the principles that he set for, forth for us, and stand fast in that. Stand fast. When the army used to say stand fast, I never really understood that term. But to stand like a rock, there's a church we work with in Canada It's called Church of the Rock. You know, they talk about, you know, church being, you know, building you. We are the church, and we are the rocks. You know, Jesus was talking to... Uh, to, to Paul, and he, he, he said, you are the rock, or I'm sorry, he was talking to Peter, I'm sorry, and he said, you are the rock, and upon you I will build my church. Did he not say that? Right? So what did he mean? He said, was it just Peter, what he was talking about? I don't think so. I don't believe so. I think he was talking about just disciples, and that we're all disciples, and that we are the rocks, and the church is supposed to be built on us, through us, You understand that, church? I hope you do. I hope you do. All right. Amen. But we need to be unified. We need to stick together, okay? Because there's a global harvest that's going on. The Bible says that the harvest is great, but the labors are few. So I encourage you uh, that you're put here in this church, in this time, in this place, for a specific purpose. And that we are all called. And that we are all called in some ministry, at some some level, at some scale. Whether you're a newbie Christian or you've been a, a Christian your whole life and you're growing, that you're called to your ministry. And you may be at, at school, university, but people are—you're an example. People are watching you. My, I've got a eight eight month old son, uh, and I—I I, I, for some reason I didn't think he was observe, as observant as he is, but I noticed that every time I'm doing something, he's got his eyes on me. Even though I'm not pouring in here directly, like I poured into my daughter. <laughs> you know, it's maybe it's the second child syndrome or something. <laughs> but I did, you know, and the second one comes around and it's kind of like, oh, gosh. But thank God he's watching me, you know, he is. But, uh, you know, so somebody's watching you in your daily walk. They're watching what you do, how you interact with people. And that's your ministry in itself, okay? If you look at Matthew, and I'm going to read through Matthew uh, twenty-eight, real quick. I love you, Church. I really do. I hope you all love me. Do you? Because we're in it. We're in it together. We're in the trenches together. You guys are. You guys are part of this ministry, just like we are, over in Haiti. Um, but we're we're focused on. Uh, tell people we're focused on eternal. And not the physical. Like I was saying, you know, church doesn't ha- isn't about a building. But church is about us, and it's about the people. We're the ones that make up the church. Anybody want to read? Does anybody like to read? Or should I read? Chad loves to read. He looks like a reader. And that would prove my stereotype about police officers wrong. But... <laughs> Only in church, can I do that? Give him a microphone, you never know. So Matthew twenty-eight, right here, twenty-eight, sixteen through twenty. Sixteen through twenty yeah, I do need glasses. Starting in the Great Commission. Yeah. Okay. Sixteen through twenty. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. must be only the, the chief or assistant chief. <laughs> so um, you know, for years I read the Great Commission. It was it was something that uh was spoken a lot in the Baptist church that I grew up in. The Great Commission talked about uh, talks about us going. And I think that was the that was the thing that it was the first thing that always stuck with me was the go. And that was the that's the first verb that we see in that uh, in uh, verse nineteen, verse uh, Matthew twenty eight, uh, verse nineteen is to go. Um, you know, Pastor Aaron was talking to me last night, and he said, if you could tell the, the 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 American Church one thing, what would it be? It would be to go. It would be to go um, in your ministry, in your walk, and I'm not saying it's Haiti or where it is, but to be to go and to be active. And not re- reactive, but to be proactive. You know, I was uh, <laughs> I was uh, eleven years old, and I went to a little tourist trap place in uh, Tennessee, in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, which is you know a place up in the mountains. And uh, yeah, I was I got I, I got got a wild hair and decided I wanted to bungee jump. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> anybody bungee jumped in here before? We got some bungee jumpers, of course. Yeah. So I remember. Distinctly being eleven years old and climbing up this, I think it was eleven flight uh, staircase, you know, up to the top, and uh, like, so I, you, know, you get hooked in the harness, and I can still remember sort of my fear as I was standing up there on top, and it, my my parent my family was down below, and they said all they saw was little toes come over the side, and it kind of rock back and forth, <laughs> and <it> back up, <laughs> and then a couple minutes later, you know. Go to the side. And, and before you know it, I mean, there's a lot of people that go through these things. So so a line starts to back up behind me, you know, and there's, you know, hundreds of people down at the bottom that are all yelling at me, you know, go, go, go. You know, and, and you know, at that point, I couldn't, you know, there's no way I was going to turn around. So at, at some point, you know, probably through prayer and uh, <laughs> encouragement from my brothers and sisters, I got, you know, I got the urge and, and I jumped off the side. And, uh, you know, I still sort of feel it, you know, the rubber band sort of effect as you go up and down. Um, but, um, you know, I just tell you that t- today to, to say, I, I know that some of you all are, are scared, you know, right? I know that some of you all are scared about things. And people tell me all the time they were scared about Haiti, scared to give you testimony, scared to witness to people. I know there's fear. I know there is in you all. And I, there's, there's, there's been fear in me over the years as well. Um but one of the things about discipleship is it's a proactive thing. Okay, um, whenever you when, whenever you lead someone to the Lord, uh, is there a timeline to say, well, you have to wait till next week to do this, and then you have to do wait till the next week to do that, and the week after to do? No, no. The short answer is no. There's no timeline to, when someone's led to the Lord or someone someone comes to Christ that they can go out and they can start doing things. Okay, so wherever, wherever you're at, in your fear level, or in your walk with the Lord, uh, the only thing that's going to embolden you, if, to take you to the next, that next level spiritually, uh, through, with the Holy Spirit, is to go. Is that one verb, is to go. You know, face your fears, right? And it will embo- embolden you. That was the, one of the greatest things I've seen from, from six years and 60-plus and teams in Haiti is the people that come over, and they're newbie Christians, but they leave there with an emboldened, empowered spirit because they said, well, I can stand up in front, of a, in front of somebody, and I can give my testimony, and I can lay hands on people, and I can pray for people. And there's some of us in here that have been Christians our whole lives, and we've never, we've never laid hands on people. We've never given our testimony. But I'm telling you right now, if you to take it to the next level and your walk with the Lord, what you need to do is you need to go. And you need to be proactive in what you're doing in your walk with the Lord. You know, this, uh, we're, we're called to be doers of the word and not just hearers. You know, don't get comfortable in these seats. You know, there's a pastor down in the uh, named David Platt, and I'm sure you all know who David Platt is. Some of you have pro- probably read his books. But I was telling uh, Chad this morning that they actually took, the, he took the, the, the seats out of his church one Sunday. And people came in and said, well, where am I going to sit? You know, no cushy seats. You know, no, you know, sit on the floor. You know, you'd be praying for a Haitian, a Haitian pew to sit on. <laughs> and some of you all know how comfortable those are. But, uh, you know, to, to not be comfortable, to never get stagnant to never get stale, but always to stay fresh. And the only other way that we can do that is to continually engage in the kingdom, continually connect. And that's what, that's what church project's about. That's what these missions groups are about, your house churches, your discipleship programs, uh, that we're all supposed to be disciples and that we're supposed to be discipled. And we are the rocks. And the Christ is building his church on us through this global network, not just here, but over in Haiti. Uh, in India, in China, there's revivals going on all around the world, and it, and it, part of it is 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 our churches that are willing to step out, and individuals that are willing to step out and say, "I'm willing to go, I'm willing to do something for the kingdom." You know, and, and we live in such a self self absorbed society. It's been so uh, it's been so disheartening to me. You know, and I, I'm not talking about anybody here directly, but if you can't look around and see society now. And you might, be, you might be blind because everybody's so self-consumed, you know, in their devices, thinking about themselves. And nobody's building these relationships. And we need, we need some help, people, to build this net, to build these relationships and to hold together closer. Amen? Do you understand? it? That? That's the body. We are the body. It's a global work, global network. Christ does not, God does not see uh, the United States. He doesn't see just English. He doesn't see just Spanish or, or Mexico or, or just Haiti or, or, or Creole or whatever language it is. But he sees, he sees a, a world that's full of his, his children. And some that are desolate, some that are hopeless, some that are hurting. And others that can go out and reach those people. And if there 's anything that I can say about new life and the work that we do in haiti it 's a very effective ministry you know that we do so much you know with so little and that God just multiplies our resources and because of prayer and because of those people that are that are that are workers and willing to do the labor that that we do we, affect, we, we, we reach a lot of people and it 's exciting it 's very exciting um, so we talked about uh the Great Commission. Another thing that I was all, in the Baptist church, I was always, look, I'm looking for my watch. I was always under the misconception that the Great Commission was talking about leading people to the Lord. Um, and I don't know why I read it so many times, but it just seemed to me like, well, this is just leading, leading people to the Lord. Uh, I'm supposed to go out and supposed to pray for people. But it doesn't talk about just leading people in the prayer of salvation, but it talks about making disciples. It says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Discipleship—you know, not just laying hands on people, and not not just praying for people for that one-time prayer, but but to be in there and to build that relationship, and to pour into people, and to build those, and to sink those roots in. You know, if uh, you—I know a little bit about trees, and for some reason, a lot of times I talk about trees because I think they're very they're very significant. But if you plant a tree in a place uh, anywhere. You know, uh, and you, you the next week you dig it up and you plant it in another place, and you plant it in another place, and you're constantly moving the location of that tree. It'll never bear fruit. It'll never, it never, never sink in where it's supposed to be, and it'll never be what God intended it to be. Okay, so um, and, and I, I tell you that uh, because I was I was a vagabond. And a day, and I say vagabond because that's a, a Haitian term. Is that, that I was always a person that was moved from location to location with with the military, uh, with my family. Uh, but there's something I've found since I've been in Haiti, and it's that it's so necessary to 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 build those roots, to sink those roots. And in the United States, we live in a transient society. I know some of you all are college students, and some of you all are are uh, are are out of out of towners or whatever, but to to find where your ministry is at and to to sink those roots into that ministry to so you can have that time that season to bear fruit and wait for that harvest. Uh, another thing about trees um, is if you look at a forest and we talk I was talking about a network, if you look at a forest and you see you see the trees. Uh, above the surface what we don't oftentimes realize is that we're all connected all those trees are connected underneath the surface and I say we we're you know we're trees we're nets (laughs) you know but um, but uh, that we're all connected underneath the surface and that when these roots come together there's no storm you know no 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 weather can knock them over and even if one does fall over in that forest there's a hundred to take its place but if you've got a tree out in the middle of a field and it's all standing alone by itself, even if it's planted there for a time, and even if it does bear that fruit, if it falls over, there's nothing to take its place. And I hope you understand what I'm saying. Because <laughs> you know that, that makes sense to me. I hope that resonates with you as well. But that we're a force. We're an army. We're a network. We are the body. We are the church. We are the workers. We are the disciples. We are the rocks. And our relationships... Are what strengthens the body of Christ. Our relationships, just like the scriptures, uh, are are interconnected to give us the holy word of God. So, so are our 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 relationships to form the body of Christ. Amen. Amen. Um. So we talked about the network, uh, the discipleship. Um. But anyway. Um, Thank you. Uh, I, I don't have a whole lot to say, but I just wanted to tell you that, to link in, to realize who you are in this picture, to, to find your ministry and to do that ministry like God has called you. He's called you to this time and this place for a specific purpose, that God doesn't make junk. And I tell the Haitians that, and uh, I guess the res, same resonates with you all, you know, but a lot of Haitians think, think they're the scum of the earth, unfortunately. And it's not their fault. Really, it's it's the international community has said, oh, you're Haiti. You're the poorest of the poor. You know, you're the most educated, the most educated, uneducated. Uh, but there's not a person that could go over there and not see the genuineness and the love in those people and that there's something different. And I think that we can all learn something from them and that we they can learn something from us. And it's not about this this American colonialism that we're trying to westernize people. We're not. We want to take the Western aspect out of it. We don't want to judge them by by our standards, you know that they're they're poor or they that they're uneducated or anything like that, but that they're God's children and they're a loving, incredible incredible people and in six years, my life has just been changed and revamped, and God has continually broken my heart and built me up and I hope that every single one of you can can see that at some point in time can go. It's a Haiti. I would take every single one of you, and we would, we would uh, seriously uh, rent a jet, and we would <laughs> take it over there so I could show you what's going on in this ministry because I'm hoping that, we, that could really motivate you all and pump you up and you could see what's going on globally within the body of Christ. There's a lot of mission organizations doing a lot of different things, a lot of different ways. You know. But we boil, we're boiling it down to the simple, the biblical, the relevant stuff. And we're not complicating it. We're not adding other thing, ritualistic things and saying, well, you, ha- you may have the call of God in your life, but you can't minister because you don't have a diploma. But we're equipping saints. You know, that's, that's been our mission is to equip the saints to, to do the work of the ministry. And these men and these women, we're building them up, educating them, uh, you know, not, not, ne- not just by you know, the Western, Western sense, but, by, but through the biblical sense. Um, we're building these relationships, serving as examples for these people. And they're serving as examples for us, too. Um, but it's incredible. It's incredible. Uh, it's been an incredible time. I'm going to read one more thing for you. Uh, one more. If I didn't lose it. Oh, no. Totally lost. Not all is lost. But, you know, can we get unified, church? Can we get unified and realize that we're not, it's not just us. That it's not just us here in this room, that there's, there's millions and millions of Christians all across the world that make up, make up the global church with us. And that we don't become introverted in ourselves and that we don't get comfortable, too comfortable in this church, but that we become united as a body. <clears throat> I'm going to read you uh, from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. And this, it goes like this. Um, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the, in the bond of peace. There's one body, one Spirit, just as you were called, in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above, above all and through all and in you all. Amen. So that's, that's what connects us. That we are unified and that we walk worthy of our calling. The first thing that we hear is that we walk worthy of our calling. And that we are all called. Everybody agree that you're called. Anybody here think they're not called, raise your hand and I'll pray for you. <laughs> <laughs> but God's calling you. We're all called for a specific purpose and that we walk worthy of that purpose. What, is it? what does it mean by worthy? What does it mean by worthy? For one, that we don't ruin our witnesses. You know, I think that's important. You know, I, uh, but I think, it, I think it goes farther than that. Uh, you know, I think about Wayne's, I was reading this, I was, for some reason I was thinking about Wayne's world. <laughs> you all see Wayne's world, right? You know, we're not worthy, we're not worthy, you know. But we are worthy, right? Are we not? Yes, because yes. we have been justified, we become righteous, righteous through our faith. Uh, so therefore, the, uh, the, the, the prisoner of the Lord beseech, uh, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. To walk worthy in that, and that you, to, the worthiness is the answer. I think is is not just to to walk in the, the obedience of, of, of the law, but in, to walk uh, in the calling that God is as to which He has called us, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing one another in love. Okay, that's what we were talking about. You know, persecution, suffering. You know, the Bible. You know, I talk about the. Everybody has their different theological lens that the, they look at the Bible through. Um, you know, everybody worships. And, and I, I don't mean that in an extreme aspect, but we, this all means something a little bit different to each of us. But to me, it means relationships. To me, it means relationships. If I could boil the, the Bible down to one, uh, one simple, simple thing, it's just the relationship book um, that it tells us the relationship Uh, And how to get back to it, actually. Because if there was no fall, if there was no fall, we wouldn't even have the Bible. We wouldn't need this. But we did fall. We did fall. Adam did fall. But this book is is instructions on how to rectify those relationships. For one, the first and foremost, and most important, is our relationship with God. Right? Secondly is what our, our husbands and wives, our families, our friends, even our enemies, our relationship with the land. If you look in this Bible if, and you, you, you boil it down, you'll see it gives us instructions on every relationship that we're going to encounter on this earth. And that's the most simple, simple way that I can explain it to you. So with loneliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. If God is love. And we're supposed to bear each other in love. The Bible says love your enemy, even to love your enemy. That's one of the things that separates Christianity from a lot of other religions around the world, is we actually love our enemies. I love them. You know, I may not agree with what they do, but I love them. You know? And we need to exhibit that within, our, within the body. Endeavor to keep the unity of spirit and the bond of peace. And that's what we're talking about, is this, this network, this unity amongst ourselves in the body of Christ. You know, I'll tell you about Haiti because that's where we're at. You know, you can tell me about Greeley and C.P. Greeley and where you're at. But we're all connected. You know, this uh, Pastor Aaron was actually talking about crabgrass one time, and he's probably told you all about that. But, uh, that, you know, if you're in your yard, if crabgrass pops up, oh, beware because crabgrass may pop up over there and over here and over here. But what you don't see is what happens under the surface is that they're all actually interconnected. You know, so, so he taught me one time to look at the kingdom of God like crabgrass, you know. But a pastor, a good preacher can see the Lord in anything, so let's <laughs> <laughs> Now go buy some Roundup, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There's one body. There's one body. That's you, that's me, that's all of us united as one body of Christ. One spirit, just as you were called, and one hope of your calling of what you were called in, okay so what's your calling? I don't know, I wish I could tell you, you know, but I know that you're called. I know that you're called to reach people and to to to, to benefit the kingdom of God um, you know and the, what 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 was what came to my what, the way I realized my calling was I actually sat down and wrote a mission statement for my own life. And I said, well, this is, what I, this is what, what, what I feel like is important to me. This is what I feel through the obstacles, through the trials that I've been through in my life. This is the, how God has prepared me for the work that I'm going to do. And I actually sat down and wrote this mission statement. You know, God's prepared you over the course of your life through certain tests, certain challenges, certain obstacles, so that you could do a specific ministry in your calling. So pray about that. Seek God in that. You know, what is my calling? And focus on that. Focus on that. And then we become an active church, become doers of the word. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. I hear a lot of ones in here. I don't know if you all hear that too, but there's one body, one spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God who is father of all. And we are, we're one of those ones, is we're the body, and that we start to act like the body, and we start to connect globally. And I want to see, I really want to see a revival in the United States, just like is going on in Haiti, China, and some of these other countries. But I think the key is to do, is, is to engage at some point, you know. And me, sooner the better, really. You know, like there's no timeline. You know, as, soon as, as soon as someone gets saved, you can take them and have them praying for people. And that emboldens them. So don't wait. You know, don't wait. And I've seen so many procrastinators over the years. And I'm not trying to sell you on Haiti. But step out into your calling, into your ministry, where you're, wherever you're at, to benefit the kingdom of God and the body of Christ. Okay. Hallelujah. Church, I thank you for your time. I hope that, that didn't was long enough or not too short. Okay. But uh, before I leave, let me pray over you real quick. I want to pray for this church. <clears throat> huh? You want me to pray for? Okay. Merci grand seigneur, <clears> enyin ce album de merci pour l'église hein. Dieu merci pour tout <throat> le monde qui l'adore. On dit merci parce que va voir les anges pour protéger yo, n'importe côté yo allez. That you are a benediction pour all your family, that you are a glisse that you are a good that you a good family, that you that a that